The Irish are a nation of storytellers. Our stories are embedded in us and in our landscape. Welcome to Tales and Trails podcast in partnership with Discover Ireland, a brand new and immersive audio experience that invites you to walk the Irish countryside with us. Today I'll be joined by award-winning author and screenwriter Stephanie Preissner. Stephanie is the creator of the hit comedy drama Can't Cope, Won't Cope and was catapulted to international success when the show was picked up by Netflix. Stephanie is also a published author, and her most recent work entitled Can I Say No? charts her journey of self-discovery from an anxious and worried child to a confident adult who knows her own boundaries, but is still learning every day. Stephanie and I will take on the rock and taro of loop in Ireland's ancient east today, a walk that takes you through forest track and woodland trail along the ridge of Slievenamook. With breathtaking vistas between the trees of the Glen of Arherlow and Galtee Mountains in County Tipperary, this moderately difficult six kilometer loop takes around two hours to complete in full. And with some steep ascents, it's important to have your hiking boots. The walk starts at the Christ the King statue, with a viewpoint that offers magnificent panoramas of the mountains across the luscious Glen of Aherlow, the perfect way to start your adventure. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails hub on loveand.e to plan your walking break in Ireland's ancient east, where we've highlighted all the best hotels, restaurants, and things to do in the area. So we started at Christ the King car park, it's a really nice and handy car park there, we have to walk in 10 minutes up this lovely like forest avenue. Um, it's quite wild, isn't it? There's loads of bush around. Yeah, it's not too mucky either. No, it's, it's fine. It's actually a nice rocky path, so bring your hike and our walking boots, but it's actually quite stable around here. <laughs> if you're in the middle aisle of Little and you see some hiking boots, or Aldi or any other grocery store. Are you then... working for Little, are you? No, I'm not. Look, I said all of them. <laughs> Pick them up. Pick them up. Pick them bring up. them with you. Come down here to the Glen of Aherlow. Nice. Come up to the Christ the King car park, park in there. It's lovely. Bring your dog. We saw a woman with a dog. It was a great looking dog. I don't really like dogs. Okay. So, <laughs> well, and that was the end of the podcast. Well, that's where we finished. I okay. got bitten by a dog once and I'm allowed to be a little bit frightened of them. What happened? I got bitten by a dog. Oh, you want the blow by blow? Ah, so I was bit. coming home from brownies. It's 1993. <laughs> we're in Mallow. I'm wearing my yellow brownie costume with my little... They were called uh, woggles. Yeah. What's a woggle? So it's like, you know that little navy cravat and then it's tied with this oh. sort of like plaited leather kind of a fastener, it which is called a woggle. Lovely. Every Saturday morning in my house, Mom, where's my woggle? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, and there was an Alsatian on the road towards Brownies and he just, I don't know, got excited, took a swing for me. And, uh, don't like dog sins? No, I don't like dog sins and I'm allowed. But God almighty, people who don't like dogs and say it, like I was going to say, I was, (laughs) I'm even surprised by that. Yeah, apparently it's a sign of a psychopath. Okay. But, um, (laughs) that's good to know why we're out here in the wilderness. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad you've come with me, Alan. Yeah, Let me take you off this lovely avenue. Over here, behind this tree. Um, so you're enjoying the walk? Yeah, loving it. Awkward, awkward silence. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm a bit scared. Do you go on walks often? Um, not really. Um, I, I'm sort of like a hedgehog in terms of once winter comes and it gets below about 18 degrees, I'm indoors. So, but I do wear like a pedometer and I like to get, you know, 30 active minutes or about 8,000 steps a day. And uh, so you can find me walking around shopping centers in winter. And then um, I like to... So you're a forest in the winter as a shopping center? Yeah. Love that. But then in summer I do wander out, but I don't like, 
I'm like, I'm glad you're here now and I like to go with a friend because I can find them kind of intimidating by myself because I'm like, what if I am the passing jogger who comes across something they don't want to see? That's how I feel after your psychopath story. Yeah, well, <laughs> I am the passing jogger at the moment. Look, there's other people around. You're safe. You're safe for the moment. Um, I've put on Instagram that we're here, so I, you know. If anything you know, happens, we've got held you accountable. Yeah, I'm going to be going straight to prison. Um, so, yeah, no, I do go on walks, but kind of rarely, only when it's dry and I've been on them before. There's some nice ones in Mallow, in Donoril, and uh, I've been here before. Have you been here before? Yeah, so obviously Cork isn't too far from Tipperary, and the Glen of Aherno was at a wedding in the vicinity. And uh, we came not up to the Rock of, what, how do you pronounce it? The Rock of Torv. Torv. Yeah. Tarov? The Rock of Tarov. The Rock of Tarov. Yeah, I've been up here before. So um, hopefully it's good for the gram, you know? It, okay. <laughs> that's the only reason we're here, right? That, well, it's the only that's... reason I'm here, though. <laughs> Is this an Instagramable experience? You're like, let's just get the show on the road. We need to get up there, get my picture taken. I also heard that there's berries we can eat. Yes, we are going to find them very soon. They're but really sweet. It's frock and berries, but they, I, it's kind of going against everything I learned at school, which is like, don't eat things. This is what I'm thinking as well. When you're on a nature walk. Don't pick up things and stick them in your mouth. Yeah. Like Off we the side were, of the path. When we went to, on nature walks in school, we meant to bring everything back to the nature table. And then the teacher would be like, this is a chestnut. <laughs> this is a conker. And then we'd be like, can we eat it? And she'd be like, Sitting no. there with the conker in your mouth trying to chew Sometimes. On it. She would, we'd find blackberries, but like we had to wash them and like be, you know, prudent in. We'll eat the frock and berries if we see them. Okay, yeah. okay, but like, if we start to get demented. Here, here's some here. Oh. Just as we say it. Okay. Wanna you, try one? How was it? Really sweet. It's actually really nice. Does it feel like it would go good with meatballs in Ikea? <laughs> Do you know what they offer you the jam that goes with the meatballs in Ikea? You're like... I don't want jam. I don't see how these go together. Oh, anyway, it's a great place to go on a date if you want to go and get some cheap food. Cheap food and pick out your future gaff. Yeah, get all domestic with someone. It's nice. And if they have a child, you can drop them into Smallland and it's free. <laughs> what what a day out you've made here. You're traveling a lot at the moment. How are you finding it? Um, I'm finding it. <laughs> I mean, you spend a lot of time at airports. I think when you're young and you know, the first time you get a job and someone offers you a work trip, you're like, oh, cool, they're going to pay for my flights. And then you're like, oh, yeah, now another hotel at another airport. It makes me really happy to be home, to be back in Ireland on terra firma and, like, you know, just have the crack with Irish people who are casual and can make jokes about, you know, frock and berries. <laughs> and each other. Yeah, and We're each really other. really good at that. Because things can get quite serious. But it's work and... You know, I'm very grateful for it, but it does make me appreciate, um, you know, black pudding, you know? <laughs> I absolutely love black pudding. Okay, so can we just? That's. I stop in one particular service station because of their black pudding. They have the best black pudding. I don't know where it's from or what it is. Can you let me in on your secret where this is? Yeah, I can. It's Circle K. <laughs> And so, it's really, like, it's bigger discs than you would normally. So you're getting a big amount of it. You're getting a big amount of it. Sometimes I just go in and ask for one piece of black pudding. Like, <laughs> yeah, like any feel? No. That girl just the is one, weird. one bit of uh, black pudding, please. Yeah, I stopped. Like, they have it at, well, here we go now. <laughs> they have it at Junction 8, Junction 3. 
and then in Kill. So love the details. They don't have it at the plazas, but they, they have supermax have the at the plazas if you want that. But I'm, I'm in it for the black button. Yeah, I'm like, definitely in it for the black button. It's unbelievable. And uh, so when you're traveling, you're in, you're going over to LA a lot recently, aren't you? Uh, this year, not so much in the second half of the year because I'm working with the BBC, so I'm in London a lot. Um, but I have been over and back to LA, yeah, that flight's kind of grueling. Um, and I don't know, like, long haul, I just don't think the body is meant to travel through time. Like, jet lag is yeah, very it's so hard to get over. And uh, you were riding for Paramount when you were over in LA, weren't you? Yes, I was. What was that like compared to your previous reading, riding experience? Um, it's cool because, like, on the, you know, you're working on the Paramount lot, so you're in the studio next to where this is also being filmed and you're walking around with all those people and it just feels a little bit cool. It's where the Truman Show was filmed on that lot. So it's a bit surreal, but it, you know, as everything gets old quickly and then it's like, oh yeah, they just, they're just criticizing my work and I have to do my <laughs> corrections, you know? The only reason I'm here is they're criticizing my work. Is it surreal? Do you feel like a celeb walking around? No, you feel like the opposite of a celeb. Because <laughs> there's so like, many big celebs. Yeah, you're like, why am I here? And people are like, can you show me your ID, please? You're like, yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry you don't know who I am? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Good for the ego, though. Keep you humble. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you don't want to be You don't want to be one of those big celebs. Nah, not for us. Well, I mean, whether you want to be, you're certainly not. <laughs> checking your ID every two steps. <laughs> You've literally no choice. Yeah, no choice. Uh, can't cope, won't cope. Ah, those words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where to start with it? Um, tell us a little bit about it. How did okay. it come about? So, Two girls living in flat in Dublin. Where does the inspiration come from? I guess it was probably when I moved to Dublin from Cork <laughs> myself. Personal experience. Um, yeah, so I was writing for theatre and I wrote two shows. The second of which was called Salpadine is My Boyfriend. And that got quite a lot of attention and we toured internationally and it was translated. And after that, a company came to me and said, uh, have you ever thought about writing television? And I hadn't, frankly, because my plays were in rhyming monologues. But I had this idea about these two girls um, moving from Cork to Dublin, which is a totally different experience of Dublin. Like, you don't get to just like hang out with your parents on the weekend and get a Sunday dinner cooked for you. It's not, you know, you only kind of know the walking landscape of Dublin and I wanted to see that represented. And I also thought that like, we had a lot of templates for romantic relationships, how to break up with a boy, how to be sad when a boy breaks up with you. But I hadn't seen many TV shows about female friendships and about how toxic and difficult it can be and how mean girls can be to each other. So I wanted to see a female friendship represented on screen. And so that's why I wrote the show. And it got absolutely massive success. Yeah, so it was on RT first and then BBC Three. And then I think Netflix look at what is being illegally downloaded. And I know Great that, tactics by yeah. that. Fantastic tactics. And I think the show was being illegally downloaded a lot. And then Netflix bought it. What was that like like after RT, BBC and Netflix jumping on board? Were you like, what what the hell? Um it it always sounds more impressive than it is. The reality is that like contracts happen behind closed doors and the writer doesn't really get much of a say like I found out that it had sold to Netflix because of a tweet like no one told me and I was like oh you seen on Twitter first yeah so it's not as it's not this big like wow moment that it kind of sounds like it was what was it was a different writing for that than it was for the theatre because you've never done television before yeah you have to be so lean you know like the 
you have to get into a scene as late as possible, out of a scene as early as possible, conveying the most amount of information with the least amount of exposition. Oh. And time is money, so they literally come back to you and are like, can we cut three-eighths of a page here, please? And you have to be able to do that as you go. Is that tough as a creative person to try, like... Yeah. Just kind of knocking off seconds there Yeah, because you're like, oh, this is really good, and I need this bit for the next scene to make sense, so... We're getting kind of steep here We're now. getting a little bit steep. We'll take it down a notch so we don't get out of breath too much. Uh, you decided not to go to the third series of it as well. Yeah, um... I've seen so many shows recently that like go to a second season and I just get like I'm kind of like the litmus test of boredom you know like I just get so bored so easily and shows just get so disappointing when they push beyond the realms of what the audience want and even season two to be honest I didn't I didn't think about writing season two when I started writing season one and I think well when I look at Kanko Hukup I can see the holes in it. I can see the compromises that I made. I just didn't want it to like be a terrible third season of you know hacking down your creative. Yeah. So it was a hard decision because obviously when the offer's there it's it's tempting. But I just had to be kind of I don't want to sound too woo but like be true to myself. No, I get it. I doubt many people say no to that opportunity so Well I think more people should because the more we make weak television, the lower, you know, the lower the standards are and we represent ourselves badly, I guess. Exactly, yeah, and then we end up watching loads of stuff that we don't really want. And as you said, it could leave a bad name for it. If the third series comes out and it's not good. Exactly, and I think more and more we, uh, the way we binge watch shows, I think it does lower people's, Expect, not their expectation, but their standards. So if you watch an entire show in one evening and it has a terrible ending and loads of plot holes, you're like, ah, well, you know, like I lost an evening of my life to this. But when you have appointment viewing and you're looking forward to something all week, you're much more discerning as a viewer. And so I kind of worry for this kind of binge watching, all consuming content. It's like, you know, if you're going to eat six cakes in a day it doesn't matter if they're not that great because you're just going to eat you're them all, six you know? cakes in a whereas day whereas if you're really looking forward to a cake it yeah. has to stand up to your expectation and so if you're allowed to pick one cake a week exactly it has to be the best cake and you're going to really enjoy it and you're going to be week. really critical of it and you're going to make sure that the baker is putting all of his best ingredients into it and if he doesn't you're going to be complaining because you've been looking forward to it but if things become so casual in their consumption then what is going to happen? Yeah. You can drop the standard, as you said. Yeah. You can drop it, because as you said, it's just an evening out of your night gone. Things are getting dropped. And so you can quickly. see it now with the vast amount of choice that there is on those streaming sites. Like, the, the, the pace at which they're creating content, it's just like disposable television. And to create something out of nothing, like to create a world, to create characters and dialogue and plot and story, it's an investment. Like, it's part of me. It's... It doesn't cost me nothing. Like it takes a lot of my time, my energy, my creativity. And if I were to feel like that was just going to be disposed of or flicked through, it's it doesn't feel great. Like it's disheartening. That's probably why people have got to the stage of just 
writing things really quickly so like maybe these people won't actually care that much exactly and i think like when i write the books like i've written two books now and i've got one out at the moment and people get on to me on instagram and it's such a different relationship with the book you're kind of like whispering in someone's ear for the duration of the reading and it's a really intimate relationship it's not something you can binge if you read something in one sitting it's still a severe and an intense commitment and people don't generally do it i mean sometimes people are like oh i read this in one sitting maybe they had a long flight or something yeah. but in general you're kind of like you spend a bit of time in people's over. most intimate spaces you're in bed with them at night time before they fall asleep or you're the only thing on their commute and you have a much deeper connection with the people who come back to me and comment on something that they've read rather than the people who are like i just binge watched kanko won't cope it was great and i'm like name yeah. the boyfriend <laughs> yeah. they're like oh yeah i can't because I watched it while also on Twitter. Exactly. You know? I was going to say, you're probably going to pick up your phone if you're binge watching. Exactly. You're not going to ingest all that information in one go. Yeah. What's it like writing a book compared to the theatre and then the, um, the screenplays? It's a lot of words. Like, it's a <laughs> lot of words. Um, which is lovely in a way, but also, you know, I can even see, to be honest, like sometimes at the end of that book, I'm like, I was really clutching at straws here, like trying to piece together more stories than I had. Also, like, write two memoirs by the time they're 32 like how narcissistic am i <laughs> the anecdotal mileage of my life is is done like i need like there's nothing and it's really weird because there's basically nothing about my life i haven't written about so people when they read the books they know an awful lot about me and they'll come up to me at events or whatever and be like oh i went to ucc as well and i stayed in that exact house and you're like wow this is Stephanie, that was a dangerous amount of information to put out into the world. <laughs> What's it like hearing that back when you're... Like creepy. Creepy <laughs> and weird and... Because you don't know their name. No, you don't know anything about them. They could be a serial killer. Well, I know you think I am. Well, but yeah. like We're Not so clear on that yet. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to park the books for a while. It's lovely though. It's lovely to be able to be really honest. And I, I'm kind of... I guess it is creepy when people know that much about you, but... I chose to be as honest as I am in the books um, because I feel like now more than ever in today's world we need honesty because there's so much fakeness and falseness out there and I could easily just portray a fake version of myself but it doesn't ever lead to anything but insecurity you know like for example if I'm on Instagram and I'm only putting up pictures of myself where I have been in hair and makeup for two days and you know I want to retake the angle then I feel insecure because if I show up to an event like this where I'm meeting you in person I'm like oh well I'm not going to be as good as I am on Instagram I'm not going to be as attractive as I look on Instagram or my life isn't going to be and then you end up with this weird insecurity vulnerability and imbalance but if so I try to like on Instagram be totally open I put up videos and stories where I have absolutely no makeup on, I'm in my pyjamas, my hair is grey and all over the place and it makes me feel like I'm okay in my whole self and if people show up to watch my stories or read my books or watch my TV show, they're watching the real version of me and it allows me to be myself. And it's not only dangerous for yourself but for like other people looking at you as a role model as well. Yeah. Like young girls looking up to you. And I'm like, I could, there couldn't be a worse role model like, than me. <laughs> Why'd you say that? Because I'm a nightmare. Like, I am very high maintenance. I'm constantly 
wrapped in a film of terror. I'm anxious about everything. Oh, watch the puddle. Yeah, <laughs> straight stand, in. I stand in puddles. <laughs> My feet are wet. Um, like you can easily give the illusion that you have it all sorted and you have your stuff together, but. What's the point? What? I don't, I really don't. Like, I have to get my Nana to like, ring up my air, my gas and electricity provider to get the best deal because those phone calls make me so anxious. <laughs> Some days I go weeks and I check my bank account because I'm like, ah, What have terrified. I spent? Yeah. Everyone loves short breaks, but to really experience a place, you have to get out there. A walk helps you clear your head and truly connect with where you are. Whether you're wandering, rambling or hiking, walking makes your break. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on Loven.ie, where you'll find inspiration for your next walking break in Ireland. At various points on the loop so far, we've seen spectacular views of the Galtee Mountains. The Galtees are Ireland's highest inland mountain range that stretch over 20 kilometres from Mitchellstown to Cahir, offering a myriad of hiking options with stunning views. The border of Tipperary and Limerick detours over the summit of Galtee Moor, meaning you can be at the highest point in two counties at the same time. When was your first book out? My first book was out in 2017. Uh, um, um, what year is this? 2017, yeah. 22 years ago? Yeah. And the screenplay, sorry, was before that, wasn't it? The screenplay, so Can't Cup, Won't Cup came out in September, and then after that they asked me to write the book, and the book came out in May. Um, and then, no, the book came out in October. Sorry, the following October. And then this year, the new one came out in May. So before that, would you have been quite anxious about like your work and yeah, like I'm, as, I'm and even decisions on what to be doing with your life and stuff like that. Yeah. So the first book is called Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same, and it's about how I hate change and I'm afraid of changes and I, I've always like I was a really anxious kid and then I turned into an anxious adult. That's just how that trajectory like it, it doesn't. I don't think it leaves you. No. Nope. Um, but I was like the kind of kid who'd be. You know, anxious about everything. I used to write letters to Santa to be like, please just stick to the list. Don't give me any surprises. And please don't come in my room and put the presents in my room. Leave them at the tree. And like, I promise I've been good. <laughs> and I was just nervous about everything. Like, I'd be asking ma'am, like, what are we having for dinner on Thursday? And I felt like if I knew every single thing that was going to happen, I was safe. And I still feel like that. I like to know... You know, I'm not beyond asking interviewers to send me the questions ahead of time. Not because I'm some politician who doesn't want to be Afraid to caught up in what they've spent, you know, public money on. But because I'm like, what if, what if I, I can't answer, like, I know I can do better. I want to be the best I can be and I'll be the best if I have time to prepare. Because I think you're kind of socialised to go to school and, and be a good student and get A's and be nice and be kind and... And then you go into the adult world and and there's no test, like there's no, you don't get to know how you're good or how to get an A. You just know how other people like you and and so to make other people like you, you just end up doing what they want. What they want to do, yeah. So I was a massive people pleaser, um, which is kind of what the second book is about, which was called Can I Say No? And it was a, like... You know, no was my first word. It was the first thing I ever said. And then I like forgot how to say it for like 26 years. Just 26. Just 26. Not the major really. Yeah, like just showing up for everyone else and like I'd give you the shirt off my back and if you didn't want a shirt, I'd go and change it for a jumper and come back and drive across the country in the middle of the night to pick you up. And 
just because I really want it to be good and be liked and I think it's because I think it is a little bit of a gender issue but I also think it's because I'm an only child and as an only child you're going to be very lonely if you're not a very very good friend and I, I thought the only way to be a good friend was to just do anything anyone ever wanted. Did that make you a perfectionist do you think? Yeah. Those experiences? Yeah I think you know perfection perfection is an illusion but it's certainly an illusion that's curated in school when you can actually get perfect results and you're praised so much for results rather than for effort and so I'd like to see like if I ever was a parent that I would like promote in my child like wow you put an awful lot of effort into this test well done rather than being so focused on the results because on the result alone more and more the results are wow sorry we've just arrived at the rock we've arrived at the rock this view is amazing it's absolutely stunning so this, this is a memorial for rachel keneally who's an irish footballer who uh, sadly passed away and uh, this is her favorite spot so it's a little memorial for her that's absolutely it's, gorgeous yeah. oh that's so sad it is really sad but you can see why what it's a her beautiful favorite place though. to come and sit and there's a beautiful view of Tipperary there. The sun's actually kind of shining on yeah, it right now. Yeah, it's really now. weird. It's, it's like kind of just pointing out the town. <laughs> it's kind of really foggy and dewy across the whole vista. And then there's this pocket over <laughs> Tipperary town of sunlight, sun. which is kind of amazing. It is lovely. It's actually a stunning view from here. So when did you first start getting into riding? Like um, I actually wanted to be an actor. And before that, I wanted, all my life, I wanted to be a guard. I wanted to be the first female guard commissioner. You went to college, didn't you? I went to Templemore Training College for two weeks and then <laughs> I left. And I didn't want to be a writer because I thought that you had to be really good at English in school. And I didn't know enough adjectives. And I didn't know how to, like, describe autumn, you know, with, like, dappled sunlight or, like, how... You got it now. Curtains blew in the wind. Like, I just remember there was a girl at, in our class who was the one who was good at English, you know? And she used to talk about billowing net curtains. And I was asked to describe the same scene once. And I was like, well, the curtain was moving because the window was open, obviously. Quite and, clear. Like, quite on. clear. And even now, like, my writing, I write for the Sunday Independent. And in my books, it's just normal sentences and normal words and not adjectives that people have to look up. Um, and so I didn't think that you could be a writer. And then... But I always had things to say, you know, um, because I like to make sense of the world and I don't really understand why we're here or what we're doing or how people cope with being a human, which is actually really difficult. Like we're standing here, like we're here in front of this memorial and like, you know, it's being human is messy and grief is overwhelming. And I just like to process the world. And so I eventually did that through writing because nobody would hire me as an actor which I'm now very grateful for um, and the process of writing like I, I struggle still to describe myself as a writer because I have this illusion that writers are like solitary people who write with a quill in an attic and and while I am an introvert and I, I don't really like an awful lot of people around me I, I do get lonely you know so I get up really early in the morning and I do my writing and then I kind of get that out of the way so that I can go and distract my other friends and meet them for lunch and, you know, hang around their office jobs and feel like an adult um, or feel like a delinquent because I'm wearing a tracksuit and they're in, like, office wear. Um, and nothing gives me more pleasure than when I have to, like, give a talk and wear a suit, you know? I feel like, <laughs> Do you like oh, it, do you? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I got to pretend now. to be an adult. Um, 
So, yeah, the process of writing is, it's kind of a grueling one, but it's nice because there's different phases in it. So okay. when I'm writing in the morning, like that might be when I'm doing the bulk of the work, but in edits or if I'm getting feedback or we're doing a script edit, that's there's other people involved in that, so it's not quite so lonely. So those parts of it do... do um, do suit my personality type and I just am trying to also remember all the time that not writing is part of writing of being a writer because I always freak out that I'm like oh I have this deadline and I'm not writing and I don't know what to write and I'm gonna miss the deadline and I'm gonna be bad and I'm a bad writer but actually daydreaming is part of my job and watching television is part of my job and reading books and being on the bus and watching other people and talking to people is part of my job because I can't write Just taking everything in yeah like you know I couldn't I couldn't write Can't Cope Won't Cope which was about Dublin life and, and the experience of 20-somethings in, in Dublin cultures and I couldn't write that without having been to Coppers. Like, I can't, like, going to Coppers is part of my life and my job, um, which is a weird So your routine is going to Coppers. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't go anymore, but, you know, I couldn't have written that show without having those experiences, and so it's all part of my job. So do you have a natural routine? Like, do you sit down, as you said, in the morning, do you have, like, a, a pen or a piece of paper? Do you get that juice? No, I don't. I, I get, I don't have any of those sort of uh, quaint little... You're I not have the my laptop. With your quill. No, I'm, I'm, I'm grotesquely, like... In Starbucks with my laptop, you know, like it's so awfully stereotypical, but it's nice because in Starbucks or sorry, any other cafe, and I don't know any local cafes, <laughs> I do also sit in like Two Boys Brew or Woodstock Cafe or Legit. And it's nice because there's other people around, but they're not colleagues, so they're not like, Can I tell you about my weekend? Because I don't like being distracted, but I also don't like being able to hear my own heartbeat as the only sound in the house. Um, so cafes where you can buy coffee and they let you charge your laptop nice. sit down and medium. type away yeah that sounds actually really really nice um you said about like dealing and being a human it's being weird is that something that can i say no is about because i remember reading a few lines and like yeah it's just well can i say no is about is about people pleasing and i think the human condition is one of like we're animals we're social animals we want to fit in we want to be part of a tribe we want to be liked and it's very difficult to do that while also meeting the expectations of everybody around you and being true to yourself and I actually hate the phrase true to yourself I was hoping I wouldn't say it but sipped out there um like Raging. doing what you want to do because there are so many things you know like you get a wedding invite it's a summons in the door you're already 200 euro down before you've even opened the envelope and you don't you haven't seen that girl since fifth class you might have met her in a toilet queue in a club recently enough and she feels like now you should attend her wedding and you know I mean there's just so many things that you should or you have to do and 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 they're not actually shoulds or have tos but saying no you kind of have to survive that moment because it's like I was saying like she's going to like you a little bit less like she's going to be a little bit annoyed and can you survive that moment or is is that moment of upset or discomfort for her worth more than your sacrificing yourself yeah so have you found it better being able to say now to people I still have to survive the moment and I, I'm pretty bad at it but I've learned some tips and tricks that like I use like you know I put a lot of emojis into text messages to make <laughs> to it more palatable like put extra vowels in like hey so <laughs> sorry I'm not going to be able to do this thing for you but here is an alternative suggestion or like sending emails in comic sans like no one can be angry if they get an email in comic sans you know about 30 minutes into your walk you'll arrive at the rock and tar of lookout point the highest point on this walk. Rock on Tarov, or Bull Rock, is a great place to stop and take in the panoramic views. 
On a clear day, you'll see out over Tipperary Town, as well as the Golden Vale to the west and the Devil's Bit to the north. Legend has it that the Devil took a bite from the mountain and spat it out to become the Rock of Cashel, just 25 kilometers away. Today's walk is situated in Ireland's ancient east. Discover a region of legends and stories, from ancient times to modern day, a place brimming with culture, attractions, festivals, and fun. To plan your walking break in Ireland's ancient east, head to the Tales and Trails hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on lohan.ie. I feel like I'm an, I've always been an ambitious person and I think that happiness, or ambition pushes happiness onto the horizon of success. And success becomes an illusion then. Um, because you set a goal and then you get to it. But when you now you're not it. happy. So you push it onto the next horizon and the hori you never reach the horizon because it's an illusion. And uh, so you don't have anything except standing here right now at the Rock of Torov like this is it this is the moment this is all we have and if so you can't find success in that and happiness in that then you're never going to achieve it are you? So just try to be happy in the moment with what you've got I know but like when you say it like that it sounds like a cliche it and does. like sometimes I say it in a way where like my body also resonates and I know it to be true and then I lose that and I lose the perspective and then it just becomes a pointless cliche but I know that at one point I did know for sure that this moment, moment. was all we had. It's a lovely, it's a lovely to get there and feel that. Do you have any like practices like do you meditate or anything like that? No, I don't. I'm, I'm too much in my head as a person to like go into my head as a relaxation technique. So I do like kickboxing. I need sensory output because my job is quite still and quite isolated and cerebral. So anything I can do to get myself back into my body, feeling my body, um, so like kickboxing, swimming, anything that gets me out of my thinking senses. So it balances you out. Yeah. Get out there and kick the head off some people. <laughs> or kick gently some punch bags, trying not to injure myself. Because as I age, I realize that it's just constantly about trying not to get injured. <laughs> I can feel like a really old person yeah. saying that. But oh, I feel that it as well. Don't yeah. worry. I feel it. I am not as young as I used to be. <laughs> For someone that wants to kind of follow your path, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, 26 years without saying no. God, I'm I don't like people often say like what advice would you give to your 16 year old self my 16 year old self wouldn't have listened like, I, I love that like, exact same no one I don't take advice <laughs> I from couldn't me. change anything if because... you want to be a writer write if you want to do any job unfortunately you have to kind of prove to other people that you are not a high risk so you have to show that like if they're going to invest in you you have to show them that you're already going to do it with or without them so if you want to be a writer don't just approach someone and say like can I write I want to write a book like write something and show people I'm going to do this I'm going to show up every day because there's an awful lot of you know beautiful romantic ideas about what being a writer is it's actually really hard to show up and create something out of nothing when I turn on my laptop in the morning there's nothing on the page and when I leave it there is something and that takes effort and it takes commitment and energy and you have to show people that you are going to do that with or without them <clears throat> so my first piece of advice would be like, do it. Like if you want to be a writer, write. Just start writing. And then when you have something that you're proud of, go and show it to someone. Do you find it hard to be self-motivated as a writer? Because like uh, you said, you have to sit down there with a blank screen in front of you. No, I don't. But it's kind of one of my fatal flaws is that I'm incredibly competitive with myself. Um, and so 
I don't find that sort of mo- because I want to be good and I don't want like I've never missed a deadline and I have like editors who say like oh yeah can you get that to me on Thursday and I get it to them Thursday morning and they're like whoa like well you said Thursday <laughs> like oh I said Thursday because I thought that you'd be late and I need it by Monday and I'm like no 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 don't there's actually this Christmas party that I go to every year for a newspaper and they always say like come for half seven and I arrive at half seven and then this year I got a text being like Stephanie you can come for eight and I'm like okay and then I'm there still eight, early yeah. <laughs> still early that was one thing that I was taught at drama school that's never left me early is on time on time is late and late is unacceptable that's a good way to look That's at what I try to live by. I like what you said earlier about the English and not being like the best writer in the class. I think that would resonate with someone that wants to follow your path as well. Doesn't matter your standard. No, Just. it's not about like writing isn't about writing. Writing is about stories. And if you have something to say, say it. And if you can say it in a way that is the most true for yourself. You know when people say like, "Oh, that really resonates with me." I think that's because like there are truths like inside of us, and when we hear them back they actually resonate because we know them to be true already. It's not new information. And so if you can write something that makes a truth resonate with someone else, however you have to say that, that could be painting a picture. That could, And that's why art resonates with people in different ways. Just say it Whatever as, level. As, as real as it feels to you. And that might be using the word bucolic and dappled, but it also might just be like autumn was cold. Autumn was cold. Autumn is always cold. Autumn is cold. <laughs> it's <laughs> I think people take a lot from that because I think, as you said, as you saw with the, your classmate looking at them with their big words, fancy words, going, I can't do that. Yeah. And then being set back. So just writing out whatever simple English you she can She has do. a PhD in social work now, you know? It was perfect. Like, she was able to write academically and that's the path that she wanted to go down. And I wanted to tell people the temperatures of seasons <laughs> as many ways as possible, as ways as possible. <laughs> Stephanie thank you so much I Thanks think that's so a much, great way to end it I think people will take a lot from that and uh, let's enjoy the views yeah yeah sure thank you so much <laughs> Stephanie and I finished our chat while looking out over the lush green views of the Golden Vale before continuing on the trail through forest tracks keeping an eye out for the many species of wildlife that reside there including goats badgers and woodland songbirds Make it a point to get out and enjoy a walk in the stunning surrounds of the Glen of Aherlow on your next short break. The Tales and Trails Hub, in partnership with Discover Ireland, is a bounty of information on the best walks all around the country for your next short break. From the spectacular Wild Atlantic Way to the serene beauty of Ireland's hidden Harlands, the epic Ireland's ancient east or the surprises of Dublin, you're sure to find a walking break to suit you and your family. Just the break you're looking for. Make sure to share your trail photos using the hashtag LoveandTalesandTrails. It's always important to be respectful of the wildlife and surrounding environment, so make sure to leave the trail as you found it. Visit leavenotraceireland.org for more information. Tales and Trails podcast is in partnership with Discover Ireland. Learn more about exploring the best walks of Ireland's ancient east at loven.ie forward slash Walking makes your break.